0: While occasionally referencing real-life people and events, Heavy Head is a work of fiction that is not meant to be used as a diagnostic tool and contains adult language and situations. Listener discretion is advised. Murphy is 22 years old. Born and raised in West Texas, Lee has spent the last four years in the United States Marine Corps. Returning home to his wife and daughter after completing his second and final tour of duty in Baghdad, Iraq, Lee begins to notice the lasting effects of trauma. This is his story.
1: Mercy girl!
2: Oh, honey. Welcome home. Daddy, Daddy,
3: look. I do these for you. Do you like them?
1: Of course I do, sweetie.
3: Oh, baby, I'm so glad you're home. I, I can't believe you're here. How was your flight?
1: Long. I'm tired, but happy to see you guys. Is it just you two? Yeah. Huh.
3: Baby, what's wrong?
1: Nothing. I just thought there'd be a lot more people here to welcome me home.
3: Well... You know how long of a drive it is from West to Dallas. It's hard for people to get time off to come greet you. I guess so. Come on, Mercy. Let's get your daddy home. Yeah! Baby, we're parked just across the street here in the garage. Get down! Mommy! It's okay, Mercy. Honey, it was just a car.
1: Ah, right, yeah, sorry, babe. I, I forgot where I was. Long flight.
3: Lee, come to bed.
1: I'll be up in a minute.
3: What are you doing down there?
1: Just making sure everything was locked.
3: You saw me lock up. I
1: know. I just wanted to make for certain.
3: You want to talk about what happened at the airport today?
1: Oh, you mean with the car horn? Yes. Uh, There's nothing to talk about.
3: You seemed frightened and you said you forgot where you were. Uh, Like I said,
1: long flight.
3: So, what was it like over there?
1: Uh, let's not talk about that right now.
3: Okay. So, what's it feel like to be home for good?
1: We just got home, babe.
3: I know, but you've had to be thinking about this day for a long time.
1: I have. It's just so surreal.
3: I bet, baby. I'm just glad to have you home. I know Mercy is, too. The first thing she did every morning was jump on my bed, Kiss me good morning and ask if you were coming home that day. We made a special calendar to mark down the days until you were home. She could barely contain herself yesterday. I'm surprised she was able to sleep at all last night.
1: Stop right there! Stop!
3: Stop right there! Honey, what's wrong? uh,
1: uh, No, hey babe. Nah, it was just a nightmare. Bad things happen to bad people. doing? What does it look like I'm doing? I'm cleaning the floorboards. They're a mess.
3: Can't it wait till morning? It's the middle of the night.
1: Oh really? I didn't notice.
3: You haven't been sleeping much since you came home. Are you feeling okay?
1: Baby, how do you expect me to sleep with the shape this house is in?
3: Baby, that's not GET back! Is that thing loaded? Lee, it's just the wind Where did you get a gun?
1: I've always had a gun.
3: And where do you keep it?
1: Where do I keep it? In my office closet in a box on the top shelf.
3: Well, put that thing away before our daughter comes down and sees you waving a gun around. What is wrong with you? I want you first thing tomorrow morning to go out and buy a lockbox for that. Maybe while you're out, you can find yourself a job. Money is getting tight. Now come on, we're going to bed.
4: We should start opening up earlier just for you.
1: (laughs) Well, it's got to be 5 o'clock somewhere, right? In Europe, maybe. I've seen enough of the world, thank you. What are you drinking? I think you know by now. Coming right up. So, how's the old lady? Oh, she won't get off my ass about finding a job. I mean, I just got back from Iraq. Give me a fucking break. You haven't found a job yet? Man, I barely graduated high school. I spent the last four years in service in the middle of the fucking desert. I don't really have what you would call marketable skills. You know, I do have some good friends down at the check shop. I can put in a good word for you. Ah, thanks man, but I'm sure I'll find something soon. Well, I bet you're glad to be back with Amanda and Mercy. Of course, man, I just I just can't be there sometimes. They don't understand, man, no one fucking understands. It's not like I can just come back from a war zone and pretend everything is all right, you know? It's been a long time since I've been a civilian. I'm just not the same as I was.
3: Home drunk again from the bar, I see. Getting a little predictable, don't you think? No,
1: no. Not now, babe. I'm not in the mood for this shit.
3: Well, since you're home, your daughter needs a bath before going to bed.
1: No, babe, I'm tired. I just want to go to bed. Can't you do it?
2: Daddy, Daddy, you're home just in time. I was about to start a tea party. You and Mom are invited.
1: Oh, baby, not tonight. Daddy doesn't feel too good.
3: But you said that last time. Oh, honey, it's time to get ready for bed anyway. But I'm not tired. I want to have a tea party. Mercy, go brush your teeth now. I'll be in in a few minutes to give you a bath. But I want Daddy to give me a bath. You heard your father. He's not feeling good. But Daddy never wants to do anything with me. What the fuck, Lee? Babe? Horseshit. When are you gonna get a job, Lee? I'm trying. Well, try harder. All you do is sit on your ass and get drunk.
1: Yeah, in case you forgot, I just got back from the middle of the fucking desert. Yeah, two
3: months ago. Hey, you don't
1: know what I went through over there.
3: How could I? You never talk about what happened. Every time I ask you about it, you completely shut down. You were so sweet back in high school. Now it's like I don't even recognize you anymore.
1: Oh, well, I'm sorry that war changes people. Have you ever considered once that maybe I just don't want to fucking talk about it? I gave up my last four years of my life for my country.
3: And what do you think I've been doing here? Raising our daughter. A daughter, by the way, you've completely ignored since you got home. All she wants to do is spend time with her father and you won't give her the time of day.
1: Oh, is that what this is all about? For fuck's sake. Fine. I'll drive her to school in the morning. Are you happy now? Yeah, me too, baby.
2: I can't wait to tell my friends that my daddy drove me to school today.
1: That's exciting, Mercy.
2: Daddy, I want you to meet my best friend, Becky. Holly used to be my best friend until she pushed me down on the playground. Daddy, I figured out what I wanted to be this year for Halloween, Jojo Sila. She's my favorite. Do you know who she is, Daddy?
1: No, baby, I I don't know who that is. Mercy, do you mind not hitting your car seat with your feet like that?
2: She sings and she dances and she wears a big bow on her head.
1: Baby, please stop hitting the car seat. Mercy. Stop that.
3: Lee, get up and get dressed. We are going to church as a family. <sighs> get up now.
1: Listen, not this week. I'm just way too tired. Okay. I barely slept at all last night.
3: Bullshit! I'm sick of that tired-ass excuse, Lee. We are going to church. Now get up!
1: I said I'm not up for it this week.
3: Well, I'm not up for your shit anymore. Listen, I've been looking into it. The VA hospital in Dallas offers treatment programs for veterans who are having trouble acclimating to civilian life.
1: No, I've already done my tour of duty, okay? I'm home now, I'm not leaving here
4: again.
3: Obviously something awful happened. Whatever it is, you can tell me. Why are you holding on to this pain?
1: My friends died, Amanda. Normal folk like you and I who will never get to see their loved ones again. I got to come home and they didn't and I just don't know why. If I allow myself to forget that, to feel better, to move on, Then I'm afraid that I'll forget them, too. It's the only way I know how to keep them alive.
3: I'm sorry that your friends are dead. I can't even imagine how hard that must have been to witness and live with. I'm not asking you to forget them. I'm asking you to get help. I don't know why you survived and others didn't, but you did survive, Lee. I need you. Mercy needs you. You can still carry on while honoring your friends' memories. Honey, go to Dallas.
1: Baby, I can't.
3: I'm done asking. I've spent enough days being a single parent while you were away. I refuse to do it now that you're home. I love you more than anything. I am so proud to be a military wife, to be your wife, but we need you well. You get yourself together now, or I am taking mercy and you will never see us again. I mean that. <coughs> And you, and you will never see, see us again. You will never see us again. again. never you see, see us, us again.
5: again. Damn,
1: this place is packed! You remember what cowboy football is like? Yeah, well, it's been a while. I've been gone the last four seasons. I'll get you a cold one. fuck is everyone's problem here? Do y'all even know that there are still men and women getting killed over there? All you can do is sit around and watch a damn football game? Does no one care that there's a war going on? Where are your values? Where are your priorities? Nobody even comes to welcome home soldiers anymore. Do you have any idea what we have to do over there? Any idea what I had to do in order to get home? And for what? Bunch of loud assholes at some bar?
3: Lee, why
4: don't you come outside with me? Case number 765-291. Lee Audie Murphy, you are charged with two counts of assault and battery. How do you plead? Guilty, Your Honor. Mr. Murphy, I understand that you just returned home from Iraq with the Marine Corps. Is that true? Yes, Your Honor. I see. Thank you for your service. I also served in the Marines in the First Desert Storm. I realized how difficult returning home can be. That is why I'm going to give you a second chance, Mr. Murphy. I'm ordering you to the Dallas VA Medical Center for a full psychological evaluation and treatment program. Failure to adhere to any of the VA's orders will be deemed contempt of court, upon which you will go directly to McLennan County Jail. Is this understood?
1: Yes, Your Honor. (laughs)
3: Mr. Murphy?
1: Well, that was a long wait.
3: Yes, I'm sorry, Mr. Murphy. I'm afraid we're always backed up. I have your orders here. You're actually scheduled to meet with Dr. Michaels. Unfortunately, the earliest we could get you on his schedule is four weeks from today.
1: What am I supposed to do in the meantime?
3: Well, there is a group that meets three times a week. They're meeting again tonight at 7. I'd recommend attending them.
5: This is bullshit. I told her I don't want to talk about it. No one is listening.
3: We need security in the lobby immediately.
4: Okay. Thank you guys for coming out. We have some new faces here tonight. So for those of you who don't know, I am Dr. Ben Tramer. I am a registered therapist who specializes in group therapy. The goal of group therapy is to bring about a sense of belonging and understanding We do this by sharing common experiences about specific occurrences. In this case, that would be the lasting effects that trauma can have on veterans. Now, Luis, I believe last week we left off with you talking about your kids. Yeah, we were stationed outside of Kabul and I always did night duty. To this day, I'm still afraid of the dark. My kids say, why do I need a nightlight if Daddy still uses one? Anyway, the nightmares are getting better. Uh, Frequency is the same, but the intensity has gone way down. That's great, Luis. Jeremy, you and I were talking before group and You brought up an interesting point about a soldier's worth. Would you care to elaborate?
5: Yeah, I keep thinking about what it means to be a veteran in America. What do you get once your own government deems you useless, unable to fight? What do you get? Where do you go where things are better? Some sort of retirement community, an American paradise? If so, what did you do to earn it and was that okay? I've been fighting all my fucking life till I don't even know why or what for anymore. Just to come home to nothing. No ticker tape parade, no welcoming committee, no banner, just indifference to what my platoon went through. My identity has been stolen. So at this point, all I want to know is where's my fucking Valhalla? I know what
1: you mean, man. To feel like no one cares about the sacrifices you made over there just to come home to nothing?
4: It's nice to see a new face. And you are?
1: Lee Murphy, Private Lee Murphy. My contract ended a few months ago. I was in Baghdad.
4: Well, thank you for your service. Welcome home. Why did you decide to join us tonight?
1: Well, I was ordered to treatment after getting in a bar fight. My wife and I kept getting into
5: arguments and she said that she was gonna- Drop your ass? She was tired of you punching holes in the wall? Waking up in the middle of the night fucking screaming? Did she tell you to get help? Try to send you to some doctor? But you don't go. Because you know there's no help for this kind of fucked up. Right? Yeah.
6: Okay, Mr. Murphy. Thank you for filling out all the requisite paperwork. My name is Dr. Tiffany Michaels. I'm a resident psychiatrist here at the VA who specializes in trauma therapy. I understand that you've been having trouble reacclimating to civilian life. Yes. And I also understand that you are married with a daughter. How long have you two been together?
1: Well, Amanda and I were high school sweethearts. We got pregnant at 17 and eloped. Mercy was born and... Then I left for basic training the day after I graduated.
6: I understand you were stationed in Baghdad?
1: Yes, I did two 12-month tours there.
6: I bet it was hard being away from your family. It was. And what is it like being with your family now that you are home for good?
1: I would say different.
6: Different how?
1: We became a family when we were so young, and then the first opportunity I had, I left. We never really got a chance to settle in and start our lives. One day I was just a 17-year-old kid with a baby on the way. Then I blink my eyes and I'm 22, married for five years with a five-year-old kid and two years of combat duty under my belt. Now I'm expected to just go out about my life like none of that shit mattered? I don't know, I just feel like I'm supposed to be all of these things, a husband, a father, a provider, as if the war didn't change me?
6: You feel like the war changed you?
1: I mean, how could it not?
6: How do you feel like your experience has changed you?
1: I guess it kind of forced me to grow up before I should have.
6: I understand. I'd like to change course now and take you through an assessment called the Clinician-Administered Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder Scale, or CAPS. It's a diagnostic tool used to determine levels of severity of post-traumatic stress It consists of a 30-item survey that requires patients to answer questions related to traumatic experiences and then rate your answers in terms of frequency and intensity on a four-point scale. The assessment takes about two hours to complete. Now, first off, Mr. Murphy, while it's important to be thinking about past traumatic experiences, please know that at no point will I ask you to go into specific details about a past trauma. The goal here is to assess the severity of the way you've been feeling from a safe distance away from your trauma, not to relive the experience of the trauma. If it helps, you can think of this as a 5,000-foot view of your trauma. Does that make sense? Sure. Good. In the past month, have you ever had any unwanted memories pertaining to a traumatic event while you were awake? Of course. How often have you had these memories? Most days. How much do these memories trouble you? A lot. Are you able to put these memories out of your mind and think about something else?
1: Mm, No, not easily, no.
6: Don't come any closer! Can you hear me? Please stop!
5: Uh, Don't make me shoot! uh,
6: I'll shoot! I don't... Stop!
1: Listen, I I gotta get out of here.
6: Mr. Murphy?
5: Where are you going? Mr. Murphy? Bad things happen to
1: bad people.
4: You, mrs murphy but this is
2: dave carter i am your husband's lawyer
5: i'm calling to see if you know where your husband is
3: you know he's in dallas getting treatment
0: well that's the problem mrs murphy i just got noticed that your husband has skipped out on his treatment and a warrant has now been issued for his arrest
3: oh my gosh
0: so you haven't heard from your husband
3: uh, he texted me yesterday morning on his way to the VA. He usually calls me every night after his group meetings. He never called and hasn't answered any of my messages.
7: Do you have any idea why he might have skipped
3: out on treatment? No. Uh, hold on.
5: M- Mrs. Murphy?
3: Can't find his gun.
5: His gun?
3: His gun. He keeps in his office closet. It's gone.
0: Do you have reason to believe that he is a danger to himself or others?
3: No. I mean, I don't know.
0: Okay. Well, do you know
5: where he is staying?
3: He's at a Motel Six just south of Dallas. Holy. You're never coming back to us, are you? You're never coming back at all. Nine
7: one one. What's your emergency?
1: Please just make it stop.
7: Make what stop, sir?
1: The memory.
7: The memory of what? The little
1: girl.
3: What little girl, sir?
1: The little girl with the flower.
3: I'm sorry, sir. I don't understand what you mean. Where are you right now?
1: (laughs) All I want to do is hold my daughter. But every time I look at her, all I see is the little girl with the flower.
7: Sir, are you in danger? Do you need an ambulance?
1: No, uh, listen. I killed the little girl with brown hair and dark eyes. She was just coming to bring me a flower, and I shot and killed her.
3: You shot and killed a little girl?
1: Please just tell her I'm sorry. I didn't know I was afraid. I just needed her to stop.
7: Sir, I need your location.
1: I just need it to stop.
7: Sir, I can't help you if you don't tell me what's going on.
1: I can't. It does it just doesn't matter what I do. If I'm not hurting myself, I'm hurting everyone I love. I'm broken. I'm sorry. <laughs> Dear Amanda and Mercy, where do I begin? I am so sorry. That's not nearly enough to make up for the way I left the two of you. Please know that neither of you are to blame for what I did. I only blame myself for not being able to lift the things I carried on my own. I wasn't strong enough for the three of us. I wasn't prepared to come back to you guys. The man you saw these last couple months was not the man you married, Amanda, and it was not your father, Mercy. I hope when you remember me that you don't confuse him with me. I don't know who that version of myself was. I owe the two of you the real story of what happened over there. We were on a patrol mission in downtown Baghdad. I was riding shotgun one afternoon in early June. It was well under a hundred degrees cool for that time of year. There were a lot of people out walking around trying to take advantage of the break in the heat. I was thinking about home. That morning, I read your letter, Amanda, telling me how well Mercy was doing, how she had just finished preschool and was excited to have her first summer break knowing I'd be home to take her to kindergarten in the fall. Suddenly, our Humvee came under enemy fire from the driver's side. The driver, Private Amberley sustained a fatal gunshot wound to his head and abdomen, causing the car to veer off the road and crash into an adjacent structure. Private Jensen, Private Parker, and myself exited the Humvee to take shelter and return fire from the abandoned building. Gunfire was exchanged back and forth in which Private Jensen suffered a non-fatal leg wound. After a couple minutes, the gunfire ceased. After assessing the situation, We determined that the threat was over and we waited for backup to arrive out of the corner of my eye i saw a young girl start to approach us 30 meters out as she got closer i could see she had dark brown hair and dark eyes just like you mercy when she got about halfway to us i noticed that she was holding something in her hand i couldn't make out exactly what it was because of the haze but i did see whatever it was, was attached to a long string. I immediately yelled out for her to stop. Stop right there! But she wouldn't stop. She was about 10 meters out and closing in. Don't come any closer! So I lifted my gun and pleaded louder for her to stop where I would shoot. Please stop! Don't make me shoot! I'll shoot! But she pressed on. So I aimed my gun and I fired. She collapsed and dropped whatever was in her hand. Upon examining her body, I realized my shots were fatal, and what I thought to be an explosive device was just a flower. All she wanted was to give me a flower. I could not live with what I've done, with the monster that I've become. I prayed that in telling you the truth you could separate my actions from the man you once loved before. I cannot. I love you too, and want you to move on from my memory.
0: Dr. Erica Berkeley is a psychologist who specializes in stress related mental disorders. She works at the Stress Center, one of the only evidence based assessment and treatment centers in the greater Cincinnati area. We talked with Dr. Berkeley over the phone to discuss the topic of post traumatic stress disorder.
8: What constitutes a traumatic event?
7: A traumatic event in diagnosing post-traumatic stress disorder has to meet certain criteria. And currently, those criteria are um, directly experiencing or witnessing firsthand a life threat or serious injury or um, learning about a violent or accidental death of a loved one or close friend or if somebody is repeatedly exposed to those types of traumatic events like life threats or serious injuries as part of their job. For example, military personnel, also first responders, people who work in the ER or 911 operators, they have to have had repeated exposure to events that involve life threat or serious injury. So the examples that are given in our diagnostic manual are things like police officers saying child abuse or domestic violence when they're on a run or a call, or a 911 operator kind of hearing someone describe in detail what's happening with a serious injury or a life threat. It is important to note that you cannot get a diagnosis of PTSD from watching videos or television shows or stories. We do not generally recommend that people watch you know, repeated news stories involving threats or the aftermath of threats. In general, that's going to increase your stress response. But it is good to know that you will not develop post-traumatic stress disorder from being exposed to serial media.
8: What is post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD?
7: PTSD is ultimately a disorder of interrupted recovery. What we mean by that is Majority of children, adolescents, and adults who are exposed to a life-threatening situation, for example, will naturally recover on their own. So let's say somebody is in a very severe car accident. For the first couple of weeks, they're going to show symptoms of PTSD, like they might be shaky behind the wheel. They might have nightmares about the car accident. They might avoid driving to a certain extent, Um, but on average... That person will recover in about one to three months. Those symptoms will completely go away on their own. Unfortunately, for a subset of the population, so about 8 to 12 percent of women, about 6 to 9 percent of civilian men, in terms of military combat and first responders, we're looking at anywhere from about 12 to 13 percent to the mid 30s, 33 to 35 percent of those individuals will develop PTSD in their lifetime. Many more will be exposed to traumatic events but will naturally recover. PTSD, it's a brain-based condition that interferes with natural recovery. It's nothing that a person does to get PTSD, for example, and it's nothing a person does to quote-unquote get over it. It's a brain-based condition. Once it's present, it requires evidence-based treatment for ptsd which is incredibly effective for most people
8: what are some of the symptoms of ptsd
7: there's four main groups of symptoms in ptsd they interact with one another and they strengthen each other so the first group is called re-experiencing so you're re-experiencing the trauma in some way via nightmares or intrusive thoughts or emotional upset as a trauma reminder then the next group of symptoms is called hyperarousal. Just like it sounds, it involves symptoms like becoming more irritable and acting on it, being more easily startled or jumpy, as well as having difficulty with concentration and trouble falling and staying asleep. Hypervigilance is another key symptom for hyperarousal that makes it especially difficult for a combat veterans to reintegrate into civilian life. Hypervigilance is defined as being especially on guard. Mm -hmm. So you're not just alert, you're hyper alert, kind of like your head's on a swivel. The next group of symptoms is called negative changes in cognition and mood. Those are psychology terms for negative changes in how we think and emotions that tend to stick around or persist. Examples of this are... The should have, would have, could have thoughts, like I should have saved my buddy next to me. If I had fought back, it wouldn't have happened. Thoughts related to having a negative overall view of yourself, other people, or the world around you. Thoughts like, I'm a bad person, or I'm permanently damaged, or people can never be trusted. Civilians are dangerous. The last group of symptoms is called avoidance. That's a big one in PTSD. It's one of the things that can maintain PTSD. Um, And avoidance looks two ways. It's avoidance of thoughts and feelings related to the trauma or traumas, but also avoidance of people, places, situations, even conversations or objects that remind the person of the traumatic event. The more that we avoid anything in the brain, the more likely we are to actually re-experience something related to what we're avoiding. For example, if a combat veteran avoids thinking about a vet where they lost a comrade, the more they try to push that out of their mind, the more likely they are to re-experience it via a nightmare, for example, physical distress when they hear a loud noise or they smell fireworks.
8: How is PTSD diagnosed?
7: PTSD is diagnosed ideally with the gold standard in the field, the most well-validated science-based assessment called the Clinician-Administered PTSD Scale. It's CAPS-5 for short. It's an interview conducted by a trained clinician, psychologist or a social worker or a doctoral student in psychology that's been trained to accurately conduct that interview. It's important to know that when we're assessing PTSD in the clinic, we do not ask a person to go into detail about what happened. And that's very important because for many people, that can be the hardest component or what might keep somebody from treatment Mm -hmm. is the thought that they have to retell their story. We know that you do not. You do not need to do that for PTSD to be effectively treated and treated long term. You also do not need to do that to get the diagnosis um, in the assessment. So all we ask is what we call a 5,000-foot view of what happened, just the type of trauma, the year, or about how old you were at the time, and who was involved um, broadly, like my unit, for example. And then the assessment is focused on symptoms. At the end of that assessment, the clinician will give a person who's been trained or licensed to diagnose PTSD, will then give a diagnosis of PTSD or inform a person that PTSD doesn't seem to be the best fit and maybe we're looking at a different condition.
8: When do you think someone should seek treatment for their PTSD?
7: The diagnosis requires that we wait one month after the traumatic event because the most common occurrence after trauma is natural recovery and we don't want to interrupt that. Now, if a trauma happens, been two weeks, and the person has a lot of what we call functional impairment, then treatment is likely going to be helpful. So let me define functional impairment. That's another heavy loaded psychology term. What that means is how much are those symptoms bothering them, interfering with their life? What about their relationships with other people? To what extent are those symptoms impacting their work or ability to work? That's not just formal kind of paid employment, but also what about their chores, things that they need to get done? What about taking care of anyone they might care for? If the PTSD symptoms have a significant impact on a person's ability to live the life that they deserve, the life that they want, the life that they're used to, then that is a good time to reach out sooner than later Mm -hmm. for treatment. Oftentimes, what will happen is that other symptoms will develop around avoidance or an effort to avoid trauma reminders. Some common examples of that are drinking. So having Mm -hmm. their alcohol use increase. how often and how much they're drinking, or maybe their nicotine use or cannabis use in terms of smoking marijuana. Maybe they might engage in different eating patterns, or they might socially distance themselves from other people. It's also important to pay attention to efforts for avoidance Mm -hmm. and how much those avoidance strategies are negatively impacting a person's life, relationships, or work.
8: What would you recommend the first step someone should take to to get help for their PTSD?
7: I would encourage people to go to the National Center for PTSD website. That is affiliated with the VA largely, but not completely. It is a science-informed, science-based resource for PTSD Mm -hmm. where a person can learn more about their symptoms and also get connected to evidence-based providers for treatment. For service members, whether they're active duty, guard status, or veteran status, the VA system is a really well-suited place for them to get care, in particular because the VA has a very strong investment Mm -hmm. in evidence-based treatment for PTSD. So if you go for care for an assessment or an evaluation at any VA system, whether it's a CBAC or a main hospital or through telehealth, which many VAs have now, they'll do telehealth straight to your living room, which is fantastic yeah, <laughs> in yeah, accessing high-quality care. Yeah. That's what's most important. Everybody deserves high-quality, effective, safe, compassionate care. Absolutely. And so really knowing that the VA is a place to get that, that's where I did my training, my internship and postdoc. I would send my family members to those clinics. And most VAs have PTSD specific clinics, like in Cincinnati, it's called the Trauma Recovery Center. And then, if you are a member of the community, civilian women are actually more likely than civilian men to qualify for PTSD. That's something that's not talked about very often. Yeah, that nothing to do <laughs> with us being women that have to have a higher rate of PTSD compared to men. It has everything to do with the fact that, unfortunately, women are more likely to experience what we call interpersonal trauma, Mm -hmm. and that is trauma between two people, like in a domestic violence situation or via assault. We have come a really long way from the Vietnam era Mm
5: -hmm.
7: where we didn't have the effective treatments we have now for PTSD, and we didn't have that focus on PTSD as such an important diagnosis and something that's treatable for our service members. We've done a really, I think, strong job at getting that information out, linking PTSD to combat, for example. I think we have a ways to go in making sure that the public in general is aware that anyone can have a diagnosis of PTSD and that women are, are at risk as well. And that you can get PTSD from things like a very severe life-threatening car accident. Mm -hmm. or a natural disaster that you and your family survived. With where to access treatment, if you are a civilian, there are certain treatments for PTSD that are evidence-based. One of those Mm -hmm. treatments is called cognitive processing therapy. You know, it's a mouthful. It's C as in cat, P as in potato, T as in Tom. And if you go to cptprovider.org, O-R-G, you can literally search via zip code for therapists that are quality trained in this PTSD evidence-based treatment.
8: And that's nationwide?
7: That's nationwide. That includes Hawaii, Alaska. Many of these evidence-based treatments have also been rolled out internationally and are in war zones.
8: What are other evidence-based treatments for PTSD
7: Cognitive processing therapy is a treatment of about 7 to 15 sessions. Mm -hmm. And in general, we're going to be looking at how a person has made meaning after trauma. So what beliefs or or thoughts have been impacted. For example, the thought people can never be trusted. With CPT, a person does not need to retell details of the trauma. That is optional as an add-on if a person feels strongly that that's going to support their recovery. Standard treatment does not go into trauma detail and instead focuses on beliefs that have been impacted Mm -hmm. by trauma. Like if a person blames themselves for what happened or has more all or none beliefs toward things like safety or control. With other treatments, there's another treatment that is evidence-based for PTSD is called prolonged exposure Mm -hmm. or PE for short. Prolonged exposure is an exposure-based treatment. It's largely focused on approaching or confronting fear related to the trauma. In that treatment, a person makes a list of people, places, situations, conversations they avoid, Mm
5: -hmm.
7: and they start in the shallow end, so to speak, with what they're least avoid, what they can most tolerate. And then they gain confidence of staying in that situation and exposing themselves to it and practicing it, learning that they can handle it and that it doesn't necessarily mean danger. Like I had a combat veteran listen to the call to prayer. He was deployed in an Islamic state Mm -hmm. and that call to prayer um, was distressing for him. Um, because there were several times in which he was involved in a direct conflict when that was sounding or right afterward. Right. And so he listened to that three times a day for several weeks, and after that, he no longer became shaky or alert or upset when he heard that. Prolonged exposure also involves something called imaginal exposure, where a person will go into detail, about what happened during the trauma, and they'll record it and listen to it. Prolonged exposure is especially helpful for people who really do want to gain that exposure to the trauma memory so that the memory becomes less related to fear. They're less reactive to the memory or are really motivated to regain that control from the contents of that memory. PTSD treatment in general, right, it is the harder short-term choice. Mm -hmm. Avoidance is easier in the short term, right, to ignore it or try to stay away from it. But in the long term, it's very costly and it maintains PTSD. And so we really, as clinicians, are very passionate about partnering with people in coming alongside them and supporting them in that evidence-based treatment. And what's really very important to note about our evidence-based treatments for PTSD is they are short-term. We're talking a couple of months, once a week, and they usually involve a homework component, something that the person or service member is working on outside Mm -hmm. of session that is really strengthening that dose of treatment. And by the end of treatment, Our role as clinicians is to facilitate people becoming their own PTSD therapists. So we want them to gain confidence in using the treatment strategies and approaches, so much so that they continue to apply those for themselves even after they've successfully completed treatment.
8: What advice would you have for someone who's seeking treatment for their PTSD for the first time?
7: I would say you are worth it. You're worth the investment in yourself to get your life back. That sounds like a big statement. I've had the privilege of working with many, many individuals, service members, civilians, first responders who take that step to pursue treatment Mm -hmm. and engage in the treatment and really get control of their life back. Their life is no longer really run by PTSD and past trauma. They get to fill their life with what they want to prioritize, with what they want it to include or involve.
8: What are some of the myths that people believe to be true about PTSD but are not true?
7: With PTSD, there's a very strong myth that you have it for life, right? There's nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. And that myth could not be further from the truth. PTSD, if you take anything from this, is that PTSD is treatable and it's treatable for good. As in, you do therapy, evidence-based treatment for a couple of months. Medication is not necessary. There's no medication that will treat the source of PTSD in the brain. Evidence-based psychotherapy does treat that source of PTSD in the brain. We're reconnecting two brain regions namely the amygdala, a brain region that is in charge of perceiving threat, Mm -hmm. and the prefrontal cortex, which is helpful in thinking things through. And therapy helps those two regions interact with each other more so that the fear center isn't calling the shot. Another huge myth with PTSD is that PTSD means that you're weak or PTSD means that you didn't do enough or you're not strong enough. Or you didn't fight hard enough, or there's something wrong with you. Again, that could not be further from the truth. There are certain things that make it more likely that people will develop PTSD. For example, exposure to trauma and repeated trauma, things like head injury, which is the hallmark injury for the Operation Iraqi Freedom and Enduring Freedom conflicts in Iraq and Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. PTSD is, at its core, a brain-based condition, and what's exciting about that is really blowing apart the stigma of PTSD as a personal character flaw and looking at it just like we would any other medical brain-based condition. Another myth is that only service men and women can get PTSD women are more likely than men to have a diagnosis of PTSD in their lifetime because they're more likely to experience the type of trauma that can cause PTSD in the brain, which is trauma between two people interacting. The biggest message I could ever send is that this is treatable, and it's treatable quickly, (laughs) a couple of months, and you don't need to be prescribed any medication to treat PTSD. I will say, too, one more thing, one more type of treatment for PTSD called Cognitive Behavioral Conjoint Therapy. That's a mouthful. What's neat about this therapy is a person can bring a supportive person, typically someone that lives with them or they spend a lot of time with, into treatment with them. Mm -hmm. So that treatment, you can use it in a romantic partner or with a couple. You can also engage in this treatment with a battle buddy, sibling, and the two of you partner up to both decrease PTSD overall and in the relationship. But then you also are going to learn and practice a lot of really effective communication skills to improve the quality of their relationship. So that other person is much more likely than me as the clinician to really know the person with PTSD. And so for them to be able to team up and treat PTSD together is really rewarding to be a part of as the clinician
8: heavy head season one episode three the world you saw incinerate is written and produced by tanner hines mercy murphy voiced by olivia lee murphy voiced by lee Kimball amanda murphy voiced by alicia devore bartender voiced by chris weir Judge Bean, voiced by Jay Armstrong. Receptionist, voiced by Kelsey Bartlett. Disgruntled Patient and Marching Snare by John Bertke. Dr. Ben Tramer, voiced by Andrew Rudick. Louise, voiced by Augustine Sanchez. Jeremy, voiced by Joe Rusk. Dr. Tiffany Michaels, voiced by Gretchen Schultz. Dave Carter, voiced by Billy Devore. 911 operator, voiced by Katie Savage Rusk. Thank you to Dr. Erica Berkeley for taking the time to talk with us. If you live in the Cincinnati area and want to learn more about the Stress Center, please visit www.uchealth.com/stress-center or call 513. 513- 558-5872 Audio of Dallas Cowboys Touchdown Courtesy of Fox Sports Original music by Real Blue Heartache Kids The music is available online Wherever you buy or listen to music If you or a loved one is experiencing A psychiatric emergency And live in the United States Please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline At one 800 273-8255 for free and confidential support 24 365 follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using the handle at heavyheadpod subscribe to our official YouTube channel Heavy Head Podcast. you can email us at heavyheadpod at gmail.com please rate and review us on iTunes we'd love to hear from you if you enjoy the show, please share us with a friend or relative. You can support the show by making a monthly monetary pledge when you join our Patreon page at patreon.com slash heavyheadpodcast and get access to exclusive content. You can also support the show by making a one-time monetary donation to paypal.me slash tannerhines1. That's paypal.me Slash T-A-N-N-E-R-H-I-N-D-S The number one on PayPal Or at T-Hines-1 That's at T-H-I-N-D-S The number one on Venmo Lastly, merch is available at heavyhead.bigcartel.com Thank you for listening, we'll see you again next month Until then...